welcome to the Rediscover Italy podcast, a place for you to relive, revisit, and rediscover your love of Italy. My name is Cassandralina Santoro. And I'm Laura Thayer, and we're your hosts for this podcast that takes our shared love of Italy in all of its many forms and brings it to you. In this episode, we'll be digging into a fun topic, and that is how to connect to Italy. Since travel is still limited and we're all missing Italy, which is one of the reasons we started this podcast, we thought it would be fun to share with you some of our favorite ways to connect to and celebrate the Italian culture. Now, these are some ideas that we hope will bring back wonderful travel memories or perhaps inspire you to learn more about Italy and definitely help you connect with Italy until you can travel here again. So Cassandra is going to kick it off by sharing a little bit about how she connects to Italy. Yeah, so I, I talked about this a little bit on the premiere episode, but traveling Italy allows me to better understand the culture, my Sicilian family, and really myself. So each time I visit a region, I do have a routine. Uh, for starters, I always look for the typical foods first because, of course, I would. Um, I visit the historical sites, and, of course, I go off the beaten path and take part in a unique tradition or lesser-known experience and something that is a little bit of a secret and maybe embarrassing, I guess, um, I try to make a personal dream come to life, if possible, in each region when I visit. So um, an example of this happened in the north of Italy, in the region of South Tyrol. I was in the mountains in the snow because I really like to visit there in the winter. And I'm not a huge um, winter sports fan, although I did snowboard on that trip, which was lots of fun. I'm more into the dreamy escapes and, and uh, excursions. So I wanted to take a horse and carriage ride through the snow. This is not something that people request every day, although it is possible, but I really wanted to see what it'd be like. And I did it and it was amazing. And I was able to connect to the region and Italy um, in a completely unique and personal way. Uh, I just, yeah, it's something that I really try to do in each region when I visit. I love seeing how you bring your travel dreams <laughs> to life everywhere you go. It's, it's so much fun and really, it's really inspiring. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, so for me, living in Italy full time, you'd think that I would pretty much just need to step outside to connect to Italy, which is true and I'm very grateful for that every day and one of the one of the main ways I, I, I do that is by just going out for a walk in Amalfi along the harbor being close to the water seeing people having a chat these are all the ways that I connect to this place which means so much to me but I do spend a lot of time connecting to Italy by reading and constantly learning about different parts of the country uh, by watching Cassandra's uh, social media, <laughs> <laughs> learning about different parts. But uh, for me, it's mainly through writing. I love sharing about the Amalfi Coast and what it's like living here through social media and my writing. And that's one of the main ways I do feel that connection, through sharing what I love with others, which, as we talked about in our last episode, is actually how I met Cassandra and many of my friends throughout Italy and now around the world. I love that. Uh, writing can bring just a beautiful memory back or help you relive an experience. And it's really important, especially when you're not in Italy. For me, I, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate because in New York City, 
there is so much Italian. Um, I love being in New York City. So for those who don't know, I live six months in New York, six months in Italy. And the reason I do this is because I grew up in New York. I love the energy. I love the people. But I'm again, it's very Italian in so many ways. I have so many Italian and Italian-American friends and there's Italian food. I really have a whole community here in New York that keeps me connected to the Italian culture. Um, it starts with the Neapolitan pizzerias, of course, um, and um, some of the locations I love, by the way, for those in New York are Keste, Solonopoli, and Luzzo's. Those are some of my favorite pizzerias. But I'm always meeting new people and learning about the culture in other ways. I also attend many events at Italy on Fifth Avenue in uh, in New York City because they have uh, lots of regional events uh, on the food, on the people, and the culture. So I love doing that. Um, I try to find Italian history throughout the cities. Sometimes, like, the Met will have um, an exhibition, like they had uh, Michelangelo a few years back. But even the, the things that are there permanently, like the New York Public Library, I love the 42nd Street location um, and often co-work there in the Rose Room. Laura, have you ever been to the New York Public Library? No, I haven't, but it's a dream. Yeah, I, you know, it was a few years back when I realized, wow, I have the New York Public Library where I can co-work because you can, for anybody who doesn't realize that, you can go in and bring your computer and uh, books and co-work there. And I love doing that because the the place is just filled with, forget about the history, but also the European history, the Italy and the French um style uh, architecture and, and marble that is throughout the the facilities is just very comforting to me it, it brings me um, a little piece of Italy when I'm missing it so yeah I really love that and by the way there's a great tour in the New York Public Library that you can do once travel starts up again and um, you know it's safe to be in groups but um, yeah there's also the opera in New York City and Italian inspired shows so Really, it's just a really wonderful mix of my childhood and uh, Italian culture in one place. That is absolutely such good advice to take advantage of what's right at your doorstep in terms of celebrating Italian culture. And, you know, if you don't, if you're not in New York City and there isn't any Italian culture right at your doorstep, uh, social media is there. There are lots of great opportunities. But if social media isn't your thing, or if you're looking for more, there's nothing better than a good book. Yes. What, something that transports you to Italy and offers a real escape. So uh, an excellent starting place uh, for me would be Always Italy by Francis Mays and Ondine Cohane. And it's, it's a beautiful book that was published last year by National Geographic. And with over 350 gorgeous photos, it's a, it's a sort of cross between a coffee table book that you'll enjoy flipping through time and time again, as well as just great writing and travel inspiration and tips. So the book covers all 20 regions of Italy. So there's sure to be places you know and love, as well as places that you'll enjoy discovering along the way. Yeah, I have to check that out. I've been meaning to to purchase it. So maybe when I come back to Italy, I'll take a look at yours. It's a great book. You love it. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> as you would expect with National Geographic. Uh, and, well, and I loved, I, I particularly loved, throughout the book, there are sections on writers that Francis Mays wrote. And I mean, there's, there's nothing better than a good book <laughs> that 
suggests many, many more good books. That's like the dream book, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's a book that keeps on giving. But um, if you're looking for a good fiction read, I also highly recommend the latest novel by Frances Mays, which is called Women in Sunlight. It's a warm and entertaining and inspiring book. It's truly everything a good novel about Italy should be. Oh, you know I'm going to love that because as Laura knows, and now I'll share with all of you, I am a big fiction fan. So I uh, would love Woman in the Sunlight, another book that's on my uh, list to read. But right now I'm really on a Nikki Pellegrino uh, kick. And um, for those who don't know Nikki Pellegrino, she's from New Zealand, I believe. And um, yeah, I believe it's New Zealand. But what's so great is she really knows Italy. And you can tell this by the, the details in her, like, that she uses throughout the stories and the way she can transport you there. I mean, it almost feels like in some of these books that you're reading a nonfiction so she, um, in one of her books, A Dream of Italy, is based off the idea of buying one of these one euro houses. And what I love is she brings you through little stories of different people and their experience. So it's great if you maybe want to do that one day or just want a little escape, but it's very, very realistic. And um, she has a book called The Summer at Villa Rosa, which is you know, the town is a false, is a fake town, I should say. Um, but she does base it off the town of Maratea, which is in Basilicata. And if you probably, if you don't know it, you probably know it if I tell you that there's a Cristo Renator, uh, like the one in Brazil, in the town. Um, which, Laura, I don't know if you knew. I just, this was something new to me. I didn't understand prior that it was made by Carrara Marble. Oh, I didn't know that either. Right? Oh. I We should go this summer, maybe, if we can venture um, out there. It's, I haven't been. I have to say it's one place that was on my list for um, 2000, uh, nine, no, 2020 and 2021 now. So let's hope I can make it. But yeah, just really, just really, I just really love her books because she's able to incorporate these little um, hidden gems as well. Yeah, that's perfect. And definitely mark that down on the calendar. I want to go there. <laughs> As well. Yeah, it's uh, Mount Biagio, I guess it's called, which I was, well, you know, I don't know why. It just makes me more excited to see it. Sounds perfect. We will do that. Uh, I yeah, th Those two books sound good. I've, I've not read either of those, but I do love all of the Nikki Pellegrino books that I have read. So I will put those on my reading list. And uh, yeah, there are so many of hers, but that's a good that's a good problem to have. Yeah, you could definitely ask me because I'm pretty sure right now I'm reading um, One Summer in Venice, but I, I really think I've read every single one of her books, oh, believe excellent. it or not. <laughs> I will hit you up for more advice. <laughs> and I think you would love the book that I just reviewed over on Chow Amalfi uh, not long ago, which is uh, it's a historical romance set on the Amalfi Coast, and it has a lot of chocolate which is just like win-win. Oh. <laughs> I remember you posting that with the Ponza. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. It's called The Chocolatier by Jan Morin. And I did a sort of long distance book club with my mom as we read it together and we both loved it. So definitely put that on your to-read list. I think you would enjoy it. Will do. Like I said, anything with chocolate. Um, you really got me at the photo. <laughs> it's a great I didn't even need cover. the story. I'm like, this looks perfect. <laughs> Let's see, what's currently on my bedside table? I am reading The Temptation of Gracie by Santa Montefiore, who is one of my favorite writers. 
This one came out a couple of years ago, but I'm actually still catching up on books that were published while I was writing my book. So I have a bit of a backlog. <laughs> that sounds fair enough. Yeah, it happens. But I wanted to mention it because Santa Montefiore captures Italy so well. She's set many of her books here, including two books in a fictional town on the Amalfi Coast. Uh, if you're looking for those, uh, the titles are The Last Voyage of the Valentina and The Italian Matchmaker. And they're both wonderful books and uh, highly recommend those. But really, any of her books are a good read. I didn't know the Italian uh, matchmaker was based on the Amalfi Coast. I remember the book coming out. I, I vividly remember it, but I, I I don't know why for some reason. I thought it was like Portofino. So thank you for pointing that out for me as well. Yeah, well, it's and, and it's a sequel to The Last Voyage of the Valentina. So they're great to read together. Right, thank you. Um, yeah, and uh, the book that I'm reading right now by Santa Montefiore is uh, set in Tuscany, but it was inspired in part by the Mama Agata cooking school in Ravello on the Amalfi Coast. So that's your little touch of the Amalfi Coast. Wow, that's... Um, I'm not going to ask questions because I don't want any spoiler alerts for anybody who's reading it, and I should just read it. Um, I, I, I left... I think I left a, a book with you. You've let me borrow a book. So Laura and I also are starting like a little book club um, it, or did start a little book club in 220 when things were slower for work. Um, so we'll have to, I'll have to raid your, your bookshelf, <laughs> if you don't mind, when I come back. Anytime. <laughs> but what if you really just need to relax and enjoy a mental escape to Italy? That's when you need a good movie. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I do this often. Um, it's funny because I've, I've spoken about this before, but no matter... You know, if I how many times I've been to places in Italy or even living in Italy half a year, every time I come back to New York, I like immerse myself in the same movies that I love. Um, some of them are a little cliche, but I still enjoy watching them like Letters to Juliet set in Verona or Eat, Pray, Love or Under the Tuscan Sun. And I know those are books as well, but I appreciate the movies. Like Laura said, if you just want to kind of veg out and um kick back for a while so uh not funny enough not only have i watched these movies but i've done the whole tour thing in italy where i've visited the towns where these were filmed i've met elizabeth gilbert in person twice and um i also met thanks to kathy of dream of italy uh francis mays who we've spoken about a few times in this uh, podcast but if you aren't aware she's the author of the book under the tuscan sun which just celebrated its 20th anniversary and um, she is what the movie is based off of. So I've got to go into the real Bramasoli and meet her and Ed. That's so incredible. Uh, yeah, it was It was so, um, yeah, meeting Francis and Ed was uh, really a, a dream I never knew I wanted to come true because maybe I never thought it would be possible. So she was just so kind. She made us lasagna. I think her and Ed made that together. They made us lasagna and we got to sit in their living room and... Um, yeah, it was it was just such an honor to be there. But I, I had watched the movie so many times that I recognized parts of the house. They did a really great job, um, you know, recreating Brahma Soli. But that's so cool to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like many of us, even her friends were like, wow, the living room looks just like the movie. <laughs> so it was really cool. And and by the way, I do I have done this with P.S. I Love You when I was traveling a lot of Ireland as well. I, I like recreated the, the, the movie. I did the whole tour. So, yeah, it's something I like to do that keeps me sort of connected. It's a really fun way to travel. 
And I I love all those movies too, and I watch them over and over again. <laughs> and one that I, I I think you love as well, Cassandra, is called Only You. Yes, I love that movie. Yes, which if if anyone listening hasn't hasn't seen it, do track it down. It came out in 1994, and it has Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. It takes place in Rome, Venice, and the Amalfi Coast. Just beautiful, every location they go to. And I've watched it, uh, I couldn't even say how many times I've watched it. <laughs> and now it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible. I watch those scenes in Positano and I'm like, I can't believe I live here. <laughs> yeah, incredible. I also wanted to mention a classic movie that I love and that I think probably most people haven't seen. It's called It Started in Naples and it came out in 1960. It has Sophia Loren and Clark Gable. And uh, even though, I mean, the name is a little bit deceiving since almost the entire movie takes place on Capri. Oh. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's fun. It, music, the scenery. And uh, it, oh, it also has the great Italian actor Vittorio De Sica. And he made so many great films. So if you're, um, if you're interested in films in Italian, I would recommend looking him up. Wow. I actually have never seen it started in Naples, so... Oh, we'll have a movie night. Yes. There's so many things to do. We've already filled up uh, half of our calendar for, you know, the first month um, when I get back. But speaking of Naples, Laura, you haven't seen the series, the Elena Ferrante series, but you've read the books, correct? Yeah, that's right. I've read the four Neapolitan novels, but I haven't seen the series. Just a, just a few minutes of the first episode. Okay, so not enough to really get no. a feeling on it. Um so yeah, I'm, I have not, well, I tried to read the book. So funny story is that I bought the first book, um, in Naples, um, in English, but in Naples. And I was like, I'm, that's it. I'm going to be able to, I'm going to read this in Naples and it's going to be really authentic. I couldn't get into it. I had to watch the series when I left Naples and this was really important to me because I have a very, very deep curiosity for the Neapolitan culture. So it may sound strange, but this was much more than a remake of a book or a story about two friends. This was something else completely different to me. Uh, some Something that's difficult for me to put into words. I, I was once supposed to marry a Neapolitan man and I canceled that wedding. And now I work uh, side by side with uh, my a partner in business, which is Vincenzo for almost five years, who's born and raised his Naples in well, as well. And what I found is the more you get to know the Neapolitan people, the more they let you in and the more you understand about their city. And and this is a very positive thing. This is not negative by any means because, I mean, the culture for me is, I, I was trying to put it into words and I don't know, Laura, this, if, if this makes any sense, please tell me. But it's kind of like it's this mix. It's chaos, but it's also hope, but it's also trust but then there's beauty. So it's it's a mix of all these emotions that really stays with your soul. I just feel like the Neapolitan people have so many stories, so many layers, and so many lives. I um, I almost wonder if it has something to do with Mount Vesuvius, the volcano, and living so close to a volcano. But anyway, that's for another episode. <laughs> but uh, that's, I think that's a pretty good description of it, though. You, you get what I'm saying, right? It's I, Absolutely. I, I don't think it's... I love seeing them open up more and more. 
um, because it makes me understand the culture. And you see this in the series. Um, so, so if you can pay attention to that uh, next time you watch it, you'll realize as like Lanou and even Leela, 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 sorry, opens up, um, you get to understand more and more. But anyway, there's just things I learned about the culture that I've seen come to life in the show. And it gives me a better understanding and appreciation overall of this amazing city. So if anybody agrees with me, please send us a, a DM um, on Instagram or, or, you know, send us an email so I don't feel completely crazy. But um, yeah, and of course, there's Stanley Tucci, Laura, which we um, haven't discussed yet, but we'll discuss soon uh, about because he went to Sal Dorizo and Los Scoglio and some other places. So um, that's another TV series I would love to hear your thoughts on. But I'll wait till you can maybe watch it hopefully soon you'll be able to watch it. Yeah, I I hope I'll be able to watch it soon. But in the meantime, I'm really excited to to talk about it. You might have to fill me in on all the details, especially the places on the Amalfi Coast that you just mentioned that he went to. I'm very excited to hear about that, but definitely want to see the whole series. So until it's possible, we'll have to we'll have to chat about it. Yeah, somebody and just if anybody's looking, I I had heard it's on Hulu. Um, I, I don't have access to Hulu, but a, a few people overseas said they did. So I don't know if that helps. Um, but anyway, hopefully after, you know, they just had the last episode. So maybe they'll put it online somewhere. I'll have to check into that. So let's see. From Naples, where do we go? We go to music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but before we talk a little bit more about that, I um, I wanted to... To, to ask you, Cassandra, have you ever watched the San Remo Music Festival? No, you know, you've mentioned this to me before, but I have not. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I just uh, wanted to mention it because earlier this month in March, uh, the 71st edition of the San Remo Music Festival took place, and it's a big deal in Italy. It's this five-day music festival um, dedicated to Italian songs, and Yes, it's a music festival, but it's just a huge entertainment spectacle. <laughs> it literally <laughs> takes over everything. I don't know why I've, I've missed this. Thank God for you, because I, I definitely am already excited and you didn't even go into details yet. Yeah, well, it's it's called the San Remo Music Festival because it takes place in the town of San Remo, which is a coastal city in Liguria. And that's in uh, very northwestern Italy, not too far from the border with France, actually. The festival has this interesting history. At least I found it really interesting the more that I've uh, I've learned about it, which was that it started in 1951 to help rebuild the local economy in San Remo, but it quickly was recognized um, as something that would appeal nationwide, also as this idea to rebuild the image of Italy after the war. Because as I said, it started in 1951. So how it works is that every year, singers, both well-known and newcomers, can bring a previously unheard song to the festival. And the only requirements are that it must be written in Italian or in a dialect, and it has to be written by Italians. So as I mentioned, it really is a festival of Italian songs. Beautiful. And it is um, something that over the years has, has launched some really big names in the music business. So, for example, think Andrea Bocelli, who we all know, but he got a huge boost to his career from the San Remo Festival in 1994. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was huge in his career, getting him started. But the the one thing that is the most, probably the most memorable song that everyone knows, 
but no one knows this from San Remo, <laughs> is that in 1958, a guy by the name of Domenico Modugno took the stage and he sang this song called Nel Blu Dipinto di Blu, which is the song Volare, <laughs> as it's now known worldwide. So it's just, it's a piece of Italian uh, culture that if you're interested in Italian music, it's, it's truly uh, an Italian event. Wow, that's incredible. And um, I'm sure that you know this, but in Pugliano Amare and Puglia, they have um, a statue of Domenico, like with his arms open. Uh, wide. You, oh, that's fun. You can't see, but I'm showing Laura how what the statue <laughs> looks like right now. Um, so I'll, I'll have to send you a picture. You'll have to take a look at that. Um, but wow, incredible. Um, yeah, you know, Italy and the music and you know, this is something that really keeps people connected. And I don't even think we realize how important it is to us. I mean, some of these traditions I've done as since I was a kid, even in America, is a tarantella, um, which, you know, is a traditional dance um, of the South. And uh, you can see this in festivals still to this day when things are normal. Right, Laura, it's typical to see these uh, dances in the piazza. Absolutely, on the Amalfi Coast. I mean, of course, Naples, but in Sorrento, there's a theater where you can go and see see the tarantella. Yes, yeah, there's so many beautiful things. There's also the pizza, um, which is in Puglia, uh, speaking of Puglia again. And by the way, anybody um, that doesn't know, I have a, a really good friend, Michaela Malazzi. She's an Italian-American, and she hosts a dance show uh, called Bare Feet. Um, and her first episode years ago was in in Puglia um, doing the pizza or one of her first episodes I should say so if you haven't seen that yet you can go on our website Amazon Prime and she tells the story behind it that's why I love her show have you seen any of her shows Laura no I haven't it sounds great. oh my god Michaela besides her she does everything on her own produces writes basically films dances she goes all around the world and does dances and she really is such um, a generous kind person somebody I really look up to actually so um anyway but she has the, she shows some of these dances so um if you want to know the story behind them this is a great resource for starters but um you know you were you were talking about Bocelli before and I have seen him in Florence actually um in a theater wow. in 1919 oh gosh was it no, 2006. Sorry, I'm dating myself. I'm messing up dates. Uh, so 2006, I saw him um, almost front row in the theater in Florence. Incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. I've been to the uh, Verona um, Amphitheater, which was just an incredible experience to see an opera. Um, and one place I really, you know, hold close to my heart, and I've recently talked about this on social media, is Modena. Um, because uh, Pavarotti is um, somebody that um, I uh, I didn't physically grow up with, but in my house, my father used to play um, his music on Sundays. Um, you know, my father has since passed, so, you know, it, it really means a lot to me whenever I hear his music. And when you go to Modena, you could see the statues and the museums. And what's so cool is and it's very sad because for some reason, every time I've been there, I haven't been able to get into the theater. It's been closed for a performance or they were preparing, like practicing for a performance. Oh, no. Yeah, so sad. But what's cool is he not only performed there, he also got married to his second wife in the theater. So it's this really cool. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, um, it's a, I don't know. So, you know, in addition, if you're, if you're doing this little tour of music, I would definitely add, um, Modena to that as well and of course Verona 
Yes. And well, you know, I would love to see any sort of performance at the arena in Verona. And if if you're not familiar with it, it's 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 this Roman amphitheater from the first century, and it's incredibly well-preserved. I mean, I think it's safe to say that it's one of the most incredible places to see a concert in, in all of Italy. Yeah, it was, I mean... I mean, and you and it, it, they keep it as it is. I mean, you go in there, and if you're sitting in the um, in the stands, you can grab a pillow to sit on. There's no like seats. <laughs> it really feels like Roman times. I mean, of course, there's seats on the ground level, um, but if you're like sitting in the actual theater, it's really like stepping back in time. It's really incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, I absolutely have to do that one day. And uh, you, we've mentioned Andrea Bocelli a couple of times, and yeah, I. <laughs> I had the chance to 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 see him as well, uh, sing in in Scala, ah. and not like not not La Scala, the famous theater. Oh, in Milan, no, in, no. in Milan, no, 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 in Scala, the tiny village uh, on what? the Amalfi Coast. He came to Scala. He did come to Scala, and I was I saw him perform there. And another incredible experience was was seeing Il Volo. And that's if you're not familiar. It's it, it's a young group um, with three three young guys, two tenors and a baritone, and they're quite popular in Italy. They are amazing, and I was able to see them in Scala as well. So, oh, how cool. we're really lucky. We talked about that in the last episode about how sometimes in the summer here on the Amalfi Coast we can we can get some excellent performances, and those concerts were both free in Scala. Really? Yeah. It, I mean, I, I hope maybe they'll come back in 2022, I guess. Probably not this year, I'm assuming. These, like, live... I mean, there were a couple last year, but something that yeah. big, I would think they would need. Something that big, yeah. We'll just have to see if yeah. we, we can have that many people in one place <laughs> because there were a lot of people in the square for... The square of Scala for, for Andrea Bocelli. <laughs> just, I could imagine, but, you know... It's a little too packed for COVID times. <laughs> <laughs> we'll dream next year. But for something you might not have heard of before, I thought I would recommend that you check out the music of Davide Napoleone. And he's a young Italian singer and very successful songwriter from Salerno, which is a city right next to the Amalfi Coast. And uh, he's a lot of fun because one of his most recent projects has been writing a series of songs for a concept album inspired by the Amalfi Coast and Southern Italy, and also by a distant family member of his good friend and producer, Gianluigi Manzo. So digging into his family tree, Gianluigi found a relative who had died at a young age, unfortunately, in 1957. But this relative had written beautiful poems and letters. And so this, uh, this has served as the inspiration for songs and uh, on this concept oh, album. And so the first one that came out is called Amalfi, which I love. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> naturally. And uh, the second song that's come out is called Porta Pazienza. And uh, I just recently <laughs> sent a video for, for this song to Cassandra since it was filmed in Amalfi at the Aceto family lemon farm, actually. And that's a place where you can go and take a tour. And you should definitely do that when you're in Amalfi. Yeah, really cool experience. Just look up Amalfi lemon experience and you'll find it. Um, but uh, <laughs> we both had fun, and especially Cassandra had fun watching this video and seeing people that she actually knew from Amalfi and Italiani. <laughs> So, uh, so we'll have to be sure to share that that music video on our social media so that everyone can see it because it's a lot of fun. I 
like had a little like oh my god I know celebrities moment <laughs> like it was so funny because one of the guys works at a local restaurant and I and she said oh maybe you know one of the people in this video I was like do I know him I see him every day we're basically best friends no we're not best friends we just like I've just eat at the restaurant a lot um but my favorite part and I again no spoiler alerts we'll try to share the video on social media but my favorite part is that he uses a lemon as a microphone in one part. Did you see that part? As one does. <laughs> we should try that for the podcast. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. Oh. <laughs> and the listeners are like, no, no, it's not <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> but there, yeah, but it, I mean, when you really get into the whole Amalfi, the lemon thing, it's hard to, uh, it's it's hard not to get distracted by by all the ways you can use a lemon in a in in a, in a Amalfi, but. But but it's fun. I, I, I really love these songs, but mostly because I also love the story behind them and that you can uh, you can feel the story of this uh, of this person coming to life and how how they've used his story to 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 preserve his memory and and to make him the poet that he was and that nobody really knew. So it's it's great. It's a great story. I love a good story, but the music is also terrific. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And it, and it actually ties back into the whole reason of this episode, right? Because he's keeping connected to his family in Italy, even when he's there, right? I mean, bringing back something, reliving it. And um, that's why we wanted to do this episode. We brought up this topic because we know many of you might not be there right now. But we also want to remind you of when you're there, how to be present, um, and how to keep these memories with you. Um, so I guess connecting with the country no matter where you are, uh, because we know how much Italy means to all of you. So, um, you know, through music, through the books, through films. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, quickly, as we mentioned in our last episode, we will be ending each podcast with a question from our listeners. So please do connect with us on social media, send us your questions, or email them directly to us at rediscoveritalypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, this episode's question is from literally everyone missing Italy right now. <laughs> and that question is, when can we travel to Italy again? Yes. So this is a very difficult question. Um, you know, the vaccine rollout is happening around the world, but there's yet uh, to have to be announced a date for opening of the borders. They believe European travel will begin first, maybe the concept of a vaccine or COVID-free passport. But remember that um, it doesn't have to do with just your home country. It has to do with also Italy. So when you're, you know, even if you're in America and you get the vaccine, keep in mind that to, to look into how far Italy has come with the vaccine. But um, Laura, I think you have some details on the COVID-free passport thing or, you know, what they're putting together. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that right now in Europe. And it's they're calling it, I believe, a digital green certificate. And it is some sort of vaccine passport that's been proposed as a way to make travel within the European Union a little bit safer this year. So, um, of course, I mean, this is excellent news for countries and areas um, that depend heavily on tourism, like the Amalfi Coast. But uh, it also raises some questions as well, because the vaccine rollout uh, has not been the same all across Europe. It's different. Um, different countries are at different speeds. And so there's a lot of questions around how much uh, it's going to work to have a European Union-wide 
effort like this. So they're going to be voting on that later this month. So for the time being, we're just going to have to stay tuned and see what they decide within the European Union. That's really interesting um, to hear this. You know, I didn't know all the details behind the digital green certificate. Um, I, I started to read a little bit on it, but um, into it, I should say. But as a travel planner, it's so sad to say, but I'm telling people that if they want a stress-free trip to go in 2022, um, but for those who are really set on traveling in 2021, you need to wait till at least late summer or fall before considering travel. Um, again, my personal opinion, uh, but I think this is a safe way of traveling, and you have to consider that also there's going to be masks and social distancing restrictions in place, so you know, Italy took this quite seriously in 220. It wasn't like if you feel felt like wearing it. Um, it was it was pretty um, standard to, to see like you must wear a mask in most places. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. We all want that date. We want that one date that we can look forward to and mark on our calendars that it's going to be time to travel to Italy again. But unfortunately, it's just not quite that time yet. But yeah, like you said, we're really hoping that it's going to be late summer, autumn, that things are going to, to look differently. And, and we want to end this on a positive note. So stay hopeful. We are There is a light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting there just a little bit longer. We have to wait. And I am a travel planner. Um, but also remember, because Laura is not going to say this herself, or she doesn't like to um, <laughs> overemphasize how awesome her book is, but she no, she has a very excellent um, guidebook of the Amalfi Coats Moon Guides. And uh, we'll try to link um, both my company and Laura's book um, below. But you, you know, you can look us up or whatever you do, you can start to dream um, and make your trip um, come to life soon. So we don't want it to, we don't want it, you to feel you know, this is a negative, this is negative news, because it's not, it's positive. So just a little bit longer, and we'll all be drinking spritz or cappuccinos or swimming in the Italian sea soon enough. Absolutely, it's coming. <laughs> so thank you for listening. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio or Google Play. So you don't miss any of our future episodes of the podcast. And you'll find all of those listening options and more on our website, www.rediscoveritalypodcast.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter and find links to our social media, where we hope you'll join us and to continue sharing everything you love about Italy with us. And please do share the podcast with uh, any friends or family that you think will enjoy uh, hearing Italy stories as well. And if you have a chance, please do leave a review. It helps us a lot. So thank you again for listening. Grazie and al presto. A presto.